What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 11, Past Tense, Part 1. I'm very excited to talk about this episode. Mike, how you doing? Keith, I'm doing okay, buddy. Uh, you know, today, as of this recording, my apologies for getting a little sappy here, is the 22nd anniversary of the day my dad died, mm. which is like a deep cut. 22 years. It's re really crazy to me. In fact, I have to tell you, so I was looking forward to doing this episode because it's nice to spend some time, Jen's away, so spend some time with the buddy and just like, you know, watch TV and have fun. But this is the crazy, this is where I know that either I'm having a lot of fun welcoming this entire new sort of IP and universe into my life. Or I'm going slightly insane. One of the two things. In fact, why can't it be both? Yeah, you're Mike. right. You're why right. can't it be both? So I'm sitting on the porch today, this morning, drinking my coffee and just kind of like meditating on. 20 years is a long time. That's like a whole human being. That's a voting it's human being. Yeah. Older than you were when we yeah. died, right? Yes, that's true. I've lived yeah. more of my life without than with. Uh, but I'm thinking. So this show, th th today's episode ends uh, airs in 1995, right? Mm -hmm. Um. So I'm thinking to myself, so that means he had six years left to live when this episode aired. What mm. if you knew that, right? I was like, oh, my God, that's Captain Pike. It's Pike. He, it's, it's, well, I mean, Pike had, more, had a longer runway. Yeah. But, and yeah, then I was yeah. like, what are you talking about? But that led me down the rabbit <laughs> hole of, well, a lot of people know that, right? Either you get a, you get a diagnosis of a, a, a terminal illness sure. or you just have a lifestyle or a genetics, like that all this crap or, runs or in Or you just at a certain age where you just know yeah, so it's, it's coming. It's his, his plight, though he knows he saw and felt and experienced his ending, uh, isn't that sci-fi-y. Right, it's really kind of a, a, something. No, I mean, and 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 I think the the message we would all have to ourselves is like, be aware of this earlier. Yeah. And so take care of yourself and, so, and like, others. Even, do what you can do. Even if everything goes great, right at our age, you know, let's say it's not ten, maybe it's fifty. Right. But fifty's not a lot, you know. Like we've already lived almost that. Ooh. It goes quick. <laughs> Uh, by the way, did you know we're watching Strange New Worlds on the on the feed here? If not, check it out. We've got a lot of shows, and uh, that's, I guess, a, a way to put a button on the weird dark talk and get back into our stuff. But yeah, anyway, that's how I'm doing, Keith. I'm excited to be watching the show. Fair enough. I, I'm with you 100%. And a great and, episode uh, at that. A great episode. Yeah. Well, you want to know who else is not only uh, a, a great and I'm going at 100%, uh, and uh, created Strange New Show about Strange New World. It's our patrons at patreon.com slash K&M. And on there, you get so much extra nonsense. It's ridiculous. We have AMAs. We have watch-alongs with other series of shows. We created Strange New World. You can watch Mike watch Deep Space Nine for the first time. You can watch Mike watch Strange New Worlds for the first time. Uh, as well as uh, you can read my graphic novel, mm -hmm. my Star Trek graphic novel with no graphics, uh, and uh, you know lots of other fun novel? stuff. It's a graphic list. It's a graphic light. There's a few spec graphics, but that's it. Uh, but anyway, you can join all of these fine folks. Mike, who's who's the finest of folks folking up our thing? Okay, well said. Just just eloquently said. Bryant, Kimball, Beersock, Brian Kaufman, Casey Clark, Jason, Moe. Brent Joshua, 
Andrew Hayes, Jorge Navoa, and the mysterious wharfs, big old boot shivs, Richard Coleman, Charles Babbage, CRM Productions, Nikolai Ivanich, Lobachevsky, at Grim, underscore toys, delusions at noon, and the fine folks that mail us things in the actual U.S. Postal Service, J.D. Makes, Colin Dake, and Chris Mitchell, you know that's CRM, Pat, and of course, Joshua Cronin, always doing fun stuff. And Keith, it's your birthday week, buddy. Nobody forgot. In fact, people are mailing you things because... We have the best folks. If I you- mean, I I'm stunned. I, I'm I'm gen- I, like, I'm super excited because nobody loves opening a present more than I do. But let me tell you, um, the the number of present physical presents I'm going to receive from everyone else in my entire life and existence, my family and loved one of the people that I've known my entire life, it's going to be this. Mm-hmm. And then from all of you. It's going to be like multiples. We're going to have to open them all Keith, up again. Keith, we're sending you boxes just so you can rebox them when you move. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's only one thing. You know, we need to start a new YouTube channel. It's not unboxings. Unboxings. Mm-hmm. It's reboxings. It's reboxing. Yeah, so you're going to have to watch me pack. Great. <laughs> so, but, like, but like sad pack. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's like a divorce pack. That like, was oh. I remember moving out of New York when I moved out of my first, my, my longest apartment in New York with my roommate, Erica. I remember like I was moving in with my my fiance at the time jen so i was excited about that but oh the tears so uh that's a lot you know like you got to turn the page in life sometimes the chapter changes and you know you, there's nothing much you can do about it so oh i had a segue I think we should that we should oh, turn the no, page I wanted to say there's oh. still time if you want to send keith a birthday message please do so down below or you can send it to either keith and mike entertainment at gmail.com or look at my star trek toys at gmail.com or reach out to keith get his address and mail him cool stuff I, I mean, and I, I am not somebody who enjoys his own birthday, but I really enjoy cake and presents. So I, the only parts I enjoy about uh, my birthday are the things that were like I was eight. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, obviously I do shows about toys and things that I watched when I was eight. So I pretty much live there, but we shouldn't live there. No. We should live further on in the show. And this is the moment where we talk about your ratings of last week's episode of Deep Space Nine. If you would like to join these folks, really simple. All you got to do is leave a one out of a hundred stem bolts rating here in the YouTube comments. Uh, We want to hear from more of you. Mm -hmm. We know there are way more of you watching this than are leaving their rating. You don't don't have to say anything pithy. You don't have to have a whole, you know, make a whole spiel. Just leave a number. To be honest, there's enough people who leave pithy comments and people who leave like dissertations that we appreciate. I am not mocking. Really appreciate this. I learned so much from them. I almost don't have to read the companion anymore. They're so much smarter than we are. There's so, no question. So we just went to rankings. We got people yeah. that are doing our, our dramaturgy. So we're, we're good. It's really fun. It's really fun. So last week was Fascination, mm-hmm. which I think kind of the consensus was everybody thought, like remembered it worse than it was and enjoyed, yeah, enjoyed. reviewing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was uh, which was fun, and I think that's part of the part of what's great about a, a watch along like this is that it forces you to give a second look at episodes that maybe you didn't you know enjoy the first time around. Maybe you were thirteen and all this adult stuff doesn't matter, um, and and so you just didn't resonate with it. Well, guess what? Thirty five years later, stuff feels different. Yeah, you and know that, you that, might that have a different girl appreciation or that for boy it. that that broke your heart. And so mm. for years, you just, whenever you think about it, there's like a ping or a pang. And so, but then eventually enough time passes that you start to remember the good stuff and you realize, oh yeah, that was a cool person. That was a cool part of my part of my life. And you can like, you, you grow, 
We grow. Yeah, well, and also, you know, you realize, oh, they old now. <laughs> I ate, I, I aged better? Win. <laughs> I have never had that experience. <laughs> All right, so the ratings for Fascination. Here we go. Oh. Joshua Cronin gave it an 80. Jason Moe gave it a 93. JD came at a 79, Delusions at Noon came at a 78, and of course, Sans Deity with the super thanks, which when you leave a super thanks with your comment, I read it right here on the show. Sans Deity says, I was surprised at how much I liked this episode upon rewatch. That's what we're saying. This is another one I typically skip since I don't usually like Star Trek episodes where people act abnormally. Also, why I don't care for the mirror episodes in Trek or episodes like Power Play on Next Generation. And Beryl might be the worst character on the show. He doesn't add anything, and there's nothing interesting about him whatsoever. Oof. I may hate Kai Wynn, but she's interesting and phenomenally acted and has a purpose. Beryl is just a waste. I don't even understand why they had him on the show at all. Shots fired. Yeah, pew, really. Pew. I don't necessarily disagree. But what's easy to forget is that even in lesser episodes like this one, there are moments of character development that are important to my appreciation of the show as a whole. For example, everything with Keiko and Miles is excellent and completely true to life, and the process and resolution of their storyline adds important depth to both of them as characters and the portrayal of their marriage. Also, this episode gets bonus points for how it handles Loaxana Troy. I could not stand her on Next Generation, but this episode, along with The Forsaken, do well to make us root for her, and I actually kind of love DS9, Luoxana. I completely agree with all of those sentiments. 80, Stem Bolt, less for this episode itself, but for the overall flavor it adds to the series. And I do have to say... Hell yeah, they are self-sailing! Woo, I didn't warm up. Uh, so, yeah. So Sans DVD gives it an 80, which gives us an average of 82. Mike, you know we you know what we have this week? We have a tie. Our, our, no, we do not. We have our first ding 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 perfect score. Who was it? Me or you? That 82 oh, was your mood. Me. Yeah, your mood is <laughs> is telegraphing that this was clearly a win for Keith. It sure is. I gave it an 82. You were so close, but wrong. At 81. So uh, the last person we, of course, have to hear from on Fascination is Chancellor Jen herself. 300! Who said, I loved this episode. Fun and whimsical, but also some really great authentic scenes with Keiko and O'Brien. This was a real ensemble episode and everybody was awesome. Also, FYI, I really want to have a gratitude festival of our own. You guys know I love a party. That is 90. Four self-sealing stem bolts from Chancellor That's high. Jen. That's a high bar. You know, Jen is in Tech Week, so for those of you who don't know, on a stage show, basically during Tech yeah. Week, you're running 11, 10-hour days. And so she, and 10 out of 12, baby. Jen is notorious for not carrying a phone charger with her and somehow just draining battery. It's a whole thing. Uh, for someone who's such a tech guy, she is just not that. So anyway. Can you just get her a battery? She can plug her phone I can't in get her anything, there. Keith, because before she opens the package, she's lost it somehow. That's just Jen's MO. Anyway, point of the story is 
she i haven't heard we haven't been able to like talk a lot which is fine that's not a big deal but i got a, a text from her this morning and i was like oh a voice memo it's like oh I, she's she loves me blah 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 it's just her ranking for this week's episode so <laughs> this you've ruined us both now <laughs> but here's the thing here's the thing i love awesome. how, how many years how many years have you been married we're coming up on our 10th anniversary Okay, so ten years in, you're still got the butterflies when she texts you. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go with that. No, oh, that's great. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so what do you say? Let's dive in and talk about past tense part one. This aired on January second, nineteen ninety five. It is our first episode in ninety five. Mike, what do you remember about ninety five for you? Ooh, so well, this would have been I would have been 14 years old, coming up on 15. We could we could get our back in the day. At 15, mm-hmm. you would get your permit, and I remember I did do that when I was 15 years old. I got my driver's permit, and my mom tried to teach me to drive. And for I almost drove I can directly only directly into my garage because my mom was. I thought she was going to be the chiller of my two parents. We spent about six minutes in the car together, and we she made me stop. She's like, "We're going to get you a teacher." And we did, and Keith. My favorite story, my favorite story is the guy who taught me to drive and subsequently my sister as well is this guy, Bob. And he pulled up in a Thunderbird. I was so excited to drive a Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Uh, and then it had two steering wheels because he had like had it retrofit so that oh. he could like emergency override people as he was teaching them to drive. I'm burying the lead. Here's the best part of Bob. Kitty had one hand. So he got in, he had like a, like a bionic like claw hand thing, like an inspector gadget scenario. And I was like, <laughs> I can't believe that I'm opting to have this man with one hand teach me to drive. In a Thunderbird. Yeah, rather than my own family. And that's, you know, that's that, the story. That, that, makes a, that makes a great deal of sense. No, yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you. Yeah, no, I forget whether this is my sophomore or, or freshman year in, uh, in high school. I don't know. I could probably do the math, but I'm not going to. But because we... We have to get into the uh, the best part of the episode, and that is when Mike sings us our top song. It's a new song. Same band. It's on Bended Knee by Boys to Men. Oh, man. That's going to be so good. I can't wait to hear it. I have to tell you, the only thing I recall about this song mm-hmm. is the, the tune of the, not even the hook, just... Uh-huh. The words on bended mean, when I'm down on bended knee, I couldn't sing you the rest of the hook. I couldn't sing you the verse. I've forgotten everything about that song except for, and I'm down on bended knee. Well, I mean, the important thing about this song is, I believe, because I, I think I went and watched it on YouTube, mm-hmm. is this is one of the ones that- The bass low guy the, comes in, he's like, I'm talking for a couple sentences. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying, baby. Yeah, you know, there's always I'm, a couple babies. I'm going to be there. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> So always it's, a couple babies. I mean, I miss the like, you know, the 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 baritone like monologue in the middle of the songs. Do you know they don't what? Do that anymore? No, they don't. You know what's replaced it? So I never knew this. So have you noticed in like in contemporary hip hop or not even hip hop, even pop songs that have like a specific beat? There's always somebody mm-hmm. who's like, uh, there's a beat going on. They're like, they're like, uh, K and M Entertainment. Keith Barney. They like yeah, shout got, their names. You got the he- you got the hype guy. You see, but do you know why they do that? I didn't know why that was done. It, it has bugged me for Enlighten so long. Us. It's because, and I just learned this from the show Dave that I've talked about on K and M Geekly. So so many producers are producing beats these days, uh, and like passing them around and stuff that people 
go, go figure this, Keith. People actually pull these kind of beats off the internet and steal them and rip and steal them. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that people steal things from the internet? I, shocking. 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 But, and so, because what they're called, they call it DJ tags. They're called tags, and they're not doing it as, as like, bloviation. They're doing it so mm-hmm. that people don't steal you their steal beats. steal the beat. And I was like, oh, okay, you know what? I'm all for it. It's basically a watermark. It's an audio watermark. You can steal the beat. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. All right. Well, uh, uh, good to know. Our top movie. Uh, Mike, I bet you remember this one. Dumb and Dumber. Oh, my God. Such a good movie. Is it good? I don't know, but it, I enjoy it. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the Jim Carrey movies don't hold up as well as you might think. That's but one I that think... people's, people's brains melted because Jeff Daniels was like, oh, I'm funny. Yeah. Jeff Daniels, talented guy. Yeah. All right, so uh, it took in nine point seven million, and that's all it took to be number one in nineteen ninety five. Uh, what was number one on television that night, Mike? Keith, it was football, 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 mm-hmm. uh, and that night specifically was college football. As we were looking at the uh, the ABC was airing the Sugar Bowl. Florida State took out Florida twenty three to seventeen from the Louisiana Superdome which would go on to, uh, you know, take on other cultural meanings in a couple of years. So did Florida, for that matter. Yeah, as a matter of fact. Uh, the nanny was all new, Keith, as was Murphy oh. Brown in Chicago Hope. <laughs> and Fresh Air, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But let's not bury the lead, Keith. I thought it was a Fresh Air with Terry Gross. Who was the, who was the guest on Fresh Air? <laughs> uh, guys, support your local PBS. They need it. Uh, Keith, I wanted to bring up something kind of special here. Just let's let's relive it. Four, three, oh. Good old Dick Clark bringing the ball down. Yeah, Dick Clark. 1995. There it is. Uh, uh, they're all celebrating our lack of monetization for this episode. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. It's, it's, it's just way fun. too much. Yeah, but Keith, just before you get too excited about 1995, mm-hmm. don't forget there was also this. It was a very hooty year. So it's that hooty, yeah. <laughs> let's let's not get too excited about uh, about that. I mean, you know, in a couple of years we get to Creed. Remember we? Yeah. <laughs> Why does that feel so familiar? Oh, because when we got to Creed in uh, in Oops, out of practice, on, on we, out we of went practice for it. podcast, a week by week episode. Speaking of, of crossovers, Keith Schmitty. Yeah, I know. I, I know. Was, I was so I excited. I freaked out, and then I had to I, like explain I have to, to watch the no that one. moment yeah. why you lost your mind over Bill Smitrovich. Yeah, you'd be the one person who watches. I totally, <laughs> but I saw. I I knew it was exciting. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, enough of this shenanigans. We need to talk about the hard hitting news. A mysterious new star appears over the Holy Land in this week's weekly world news. Who's Holy Land? It, that's a really good question. I think that it makes a lot of assumptions. It does. Uh, so, uh, th- Keith, but this, this is, is the yes. I was going to say this is the best use of an underline in font that I've seen in years. Mm-hmm. This is this is a sign of the second coming. Reveal Bible experts. All right, so it's that holy land. Okay. So um, hold on to your butts. I mean. Apparently, the second coming is, is a little late from 1995, but you know what? We're all a little late sometimes. I love that. I love the choice theory. They're like, you know what? Let's take the the the, the B the B roll shot we have and make it really small, and then take the like star dot and make it really big and pixelated. Yeah, and 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 compress it so it's not yeah. so it's not. Uh, oh, a where's circle the, where's anymore. AI upscaling when you need it? Uh, indeed. All right. 
So let's get into the actual yeah, please, episode, please. please. This episode was directed, directed, <laughs> directed by Razor. Is that the sound of the D. wheels falling right off? Oh, what have we? What have we ever had wheels? You're right. Who last directed Civil Defense? It has a teleplay by Robert Hewitt Wolf and a story by Ira Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf, which means it's time for. Uh, Actually, a fair amount of Trivial Trivia! Now, Keith, waste your time with Trivial Trivia! This is where Mike just says some weird stuff to fill the black space time because we haven't cut this part out yet. Yes, indeed. Okay, so the Bell Riots that we're leading up to in this episode were based on the 1971 riot in Attica Prison Mm -hmm. in New York, uh, which was a riot basically demanding humane conditions uh, in the prison. This is also the first episode not to take place at all on Deep Space Nine. The original concept of this episode was Cisco alone trapped in the past, uh, who ended up being homeless, and they thought he was crazy because he was a starship, uh, or the, uh, the you know, in charge of a, a space station, um, would be used for the Voyager episode, Future's End, mm. and also uh, certainly has some uh, inspiration for Far Beyond the Stars. Coming up later, no spoilers. Christopher Brenner's apartment set would be reused on this Voyager episode, Non Sequitur, as Harry Kim's place. Reduce, reuse, recycle. So the events of this episode actually take place in August of next year. So we're less than a year away from when this episode takes place. And uh, it's kind of, you know, happening. (laughs) It's all happening. It's kind of like, oh yeah, no, they got, there's a lot that they got right. So, um, and in fact, it was very much in the moment at the time because when this episode was filming, so they'd already written it. So when it was actually filming, the mayor of Los Angeles actually proposed exactly the sanctuary district, district a fenced-in area keeping the homeless away from the tourists. Uh, unbelievable. That's crazy. So John L. Bennett, who plays the real Gabriel Bell, is Avery Brooks' stand-in. And so in this episode, they literally stand in for each other. It's Kind of cool. And it is the second time that Bennett has been stabbed to death on Deep Space Nine. Definitely uh, getting getting around. He's, he's, he's going to get typecast as the guy who gets stabbed. I thought it was pretty clever that... So, no, no I don't want to say clever. Uh, I, I, am, I appreciated that the extras used, of which there were many. This is one of the biggest extras Huge, yeah, they ever yeah. got, according to the Companion. Uh, you should stay out of the companion. You're not allowed to be in the companion. I'm allowed to be in the companion. Do you not read I the did, spoilers? I no, there's no spoilers in this one because I I didn't get a a spoiler warning from okay, Delusions, right. so I read it. Right. Uh, I count on. I trust him more than anyone else. Uh, I, well, well, I I shouldn't gender because I don't know. I don't whomever, know Delusions. Whomever. Yeah. yeah, whomever. So that said, there was such a it was such a nice mix of uh, culture culture cultural. Uh, Information, yeah, diversity, context, yeah, yeah. That it didn't even it didn't ring like oh they have to make the token guy helping uh, Bashir and 
Cisco be African American because that because he has to be Ben eventually. So I, I didn't even clock. I mean, at that when he got stabbed, I was like, oh, that's going to be the guy because I mean, like it's not. Yeah, it's not like a riddle. But that said, it didn't it it didn't feel forced or ham fisted at all. So I appreciated how much work they did on doing the. Uh, yeah, and they it, did. It's, I mean, they really so much going on. They yeah, really. It, according to the companion way, they really honed in on making this important. Put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's definitely an important episode. So uh, lastly, this episode was filmed on the New York Street area of the Paramount Backlight. Backlight. Backlot. Oh, my God. Uh, where director Reza Badi had just shot a TV movie of Cagney and Lacey. Mm. So he had already been working on uh, that backlot set. Lot set. Oof. You know, sometimes when you sleep well, your brain gets worse. Yep. This is usually what I know. I slept great last night, and now my brain is bad. So, uh... Did, who directed was... this episode? Oh, Jesus. It's bad. Just, you know, just hop on board, folks. It's it's not... It's it just... It, it's it's what's happening. It's what's happening. We're going to let it happening. And uh, you know what else is cool? So this was two weeks from the premiere of Star Trek Voyager... Mm which is about when they were sending out the Star Trek Voyager Season 1 press packets. I wish we could look at that. In our, uh, in our library, you can actually see us go through this in great detail. This is what they sent out to, to press and to uh, other, basically the TV networks, that kind of stuff, to help people pimp out the show. Keith, you'll link to this. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll link to it. And uh, one of the things that I thought was really cool in this press packet are their slides. Yeah. There are slides of the headshots, and I believe I can show you one of them with a very complex combination of things here. Got to get it on camera there. This isn't Zoom. This isn't going to... No, I tested it before. It's going to work. Just got to focus. Oh, yeah, that's not bad. Uh, it's not good. <laughs> no, 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 it's coming in. It worked. It worked on my on my dress rehearsal. It's got to be there. We're just getting a lot of reflection of your like computer screen. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's right there. there it right is. there. There you go. There it is. So how cool is that? It's a very so cool. actual Check literal. Out the, That's actually a very fun episode. Keith will link it in the show notes, and it's worth taking a peek. Old school slides from Star Trek Voyager. Uh, found this at a uh, antique store very for cool. fifteen bucks. Very very cool. Steel. Total steal. All right, our guest stars this week include Jim Metzler as Christopher Brinner, Frank Military as B.C. Is his name Dick, Frank Military? It is. It is. And Dick Miller as Vin, who also played the vendor on The Next Generation Big Goodbye, and he is a B-movie and sci-fi legend. Can you imagine being at craft services? You're like, what's your name? Ben Military? What's your name? Dick Miller. <laughs> no, but Dick, no disrespect, Dick. No, Dick Miller is a legend. You yeah. see him in every sci-fi and uh, B-movie yes, stuff. Yes, you do. In, in fact, in, here's how I referred to him on the show. I was like, oh, it's that guy. It's that guy. It's that guy. Yeah. 100%. Dressed as like, they're like such Bush League Ghostbusters in this episode. It, well, you know, it's it's the 90s. Yeah. We, we had, Or, no, it's the 2013s. We have terrible style. So, uh, it we also have Al Rodrigo as Bernardo Calvera, who also plays Captain Durango on Lower Decks. Hmm. 
after all of these years with John Lendale Bennett as Gabriel Bell. And of course, oopsie winner Bill Simitrovich as Webb. Uh, the Oopsie Awards, very prestigious. It's like self-sealing stem bolts, but for the practice. You don't want to yeah, miss actually, it. And they all, <clears throat> uh, well, seasons four through eight, are the Oopsie Awards are all on YouTube. So if you want to skip the entire podcast and just watch those, probably the best best course of action. Oh, or, or, or not watching. That's probably the best Come way. Come on, but- Gricky, that is the worst commercial you've ever done. <laughs> don't buy this. <laughs> Da-da-da-ba-da-ba. Buy something I'm else. honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say we hop into the screening room and I can stumble through this episode? Let's 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 do it. Only wanna be with you. Where did that come from? It was Hootie, man. Oh, okay, all right. Oh, Keith. Oh, oh, oh don't, yeah. look. <laughs> don't, don't look. Don't look, don't look. Oh, I'm oh, idiots. No. I'm idiots. <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny. The immersion. Oh. <laughs> the immersion. Oh, my God. We're not actually on tricorders. Or on pads. Oh, oh, no. oh no, it's all gone to hell. Hold oh, on, geez. hold on. What happened? I don't. They, they, they're bigger. Oh, they're bigger than now. They're, they're big. There oh, oh, oh. Are. Okay. Ah, there's the beautiful yeah. bean footage. <laughs> okay. So in our teaser, holy moly, the defiant is zooming past the moon and arriving at Earth. They're there to give an update to Starfleet about the Dominion. And the whole crew is there, other than Quark. But, don't worry, Quark's there because we get an emergency message from Deep Space Nine. It's Quark. He has a message from the Grand Nagus who wants to be credited for his help and wants to get his nephew out of the slammer. Dax, Sisko, and Bashir hop onto the Defiance new transporter pad. It's small and everything, as is everything, on the Defiant. So they beam down... Uh, to go talk to Starfleet. But there is a suspicious power differential in the transporter beam. I hate when Uh, that happens. Oh. Uh, I will say it's really cool to see the set of the Defiant slowly be uh, expanding. Mm -hmm. So now we have a a tiny little transporter room and a bunch of text on that screen that AI didn't know what to do with. No. Because that's just gibberish. Actually, this episode really suffered from AI. I guess, I think it's because of the, 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 the switch from very studio lighting when they're on the... Do- oh, no, no, I'm outside of my boundaries. Um, When they switch, like, on set where it's very dark to the the, yeah. lot, the lot lighting, which is much brighter, the AI did not know. So a lot of flickering in this. So, you know, yeah. something to be said for uh, just watching it on Paramount. But, you know. Or for Paramount actually going and upscaling it for real... Mm. Just like they did next gen. Come on, guys. Come on. Do what else I really appreciated in the companion this week is that the the writers, the majority of the creative team was just like, eh, time travel, time travel. It's a Star Trek thing, time travel. Don't think too hard about it. And then they're like, Well, we have a science guy, and he said it's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well that's <laughs> you know. science, we should credit science guy, because he I guess he they have to run there's a guy on the team who they have to run through all of the 
sci-fi-y stuff and they have to give a thumbs up or thumbs down. He has And a the science guy said, eh, it's nonsense. Yeah. So <laughs> it's fine. It doesn't matter. Not what we're here for. Mm. Uh, but after they, uh, they beam down with the power differential, we arrive on Earth and a couple of Ghostbusters with shotguns wake up Cisco and Bashir. They immediately ask for ID. And Cisco puts it together. It's Folks, that guy. It's that guy. And it's 2024, and they're in a sanctuary district. We don't know what that means yet, but uh-oh. And we head down to the subway station where we see an unconscious Dax. Keith, they, they, possibly, they couldn't possibly have not learned their lesson. They can't just have Dax fall in love with every stranger she meets from now on every time they're on an away mission. Is that going to happen? I don't know. Well, here, uh, but here's, I'll tell you what does happen. In the beginning of Act 1, Dax is awoken on the cleanest of all time subway station stairs. By David Bowie. By generic white guy love interest number two of the season. Oh, I thought he was David Bowie. It, it, he could be Bowie. He looks exactly like David Bowie. Like the most boring David Bowie who was ever David Bowie'd. Like if David Bowie were stripped of all charisma. <laughs> Just, I mean, this guy's totally fine. It's not his fault that the other guy was so bad. Um, and uh, Dax is very quick to buy herself some time by going along with what he says. And uh, we find out that she has the advantage of not having had her communicator stolen as but Cisco and Bashir have had theirs. I thought she she was so, like, smart. Immediately, she can tell something is weird. Let's not reveal what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty cool. So uh, the guy, Chris, offers her help getting some ID, and they head into his office. Meanwhile, O'Brien works on the Defiant to figure out what happened, and it looks like it might have been the Walter White. Mm-hmm. Compensator. The uh, transporter room is a new set as they slowly build out the Defiant. Uh, really cool. Just it, like, m- give me more and more and more of the Defiant. Yeah, Thank I love you very it. Much. This is Nanas being giving her best mom going, Did you lose our crew to a time machine accident? <laughs> Did you not purge the Heisenberg compensators? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, O'Brien's figured out uh, what's going on. That something relating to the cloaking device may have screwed up the transporter. Those damn chroniton particles mm-hmm, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he sees that there was a temporal energy surge right before the transport. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, Romulan technology uh, is is a little goofy. And, of course, that's what the, the, uh, the cloaking device comes from. And so uh, the... Romulan ships are actually powered by a singularity mm-hmm. that they're controlling. So lots of weird stuff happens with Romulans, which allows shenanigans like yeah, this. Yeah, and I think that I like that since there's um, since there's it is more of an outlier situation. You, you can't hide it behind our general wormhole complaint, which is like, didn't they run some diagnostics to make sure stuff like this wouldn't happen with the transporter? But it's it's this is a pretty outlier scenario. Well, and it's all it's all new, so that you can you can run some tests, but we've never integrated a Romulan cloaking device into Federation technology. Like stuff's going to go weird; you're not going to be able to anticipate what mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, we find Cisco and Bashir just outside a walled-off section of San Francisco called the Sa- Sanctuary District. That's a hard San Francisco. It's you know New York. It's 
Los Angeles by way of New York. Uh, by way of the set of Newsies. <laughs> by the set. I think it probably is the set of Newsies because it's the Paramount backlot. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, uh, but actually, San Francisco has a lot of like walk-ups and, and uh, brownstones, that kind of stuff. So I can buy it. It's just flat. That's the part I can't buy. What was, uh, you know, it was, I got, my brain did spin in its stem for a second because weren't they going to Portland initially? No. They're always going to, so Starfleet headquarters is San Francisco. Is that what they said? When he's like, I want, can't wait to visit my sister in Portland, though. He said that, right? Right. He does. Eventually. But that's not what he's, yeah. Okay, so they're, they're going to talk to Starfleet, which is based out of San Francisco, which is why a lot of the, all the time travel stuff ends up in San Francisco. And then the Ghostbusters were talking sort of with like a, like an attempt at maybe a Boston accent. And I was like, where are we? And then, but it then became clear. We're in 2024. All the accents yeah, are all right. crazy. We're all dressed like Ghostbusters. It's, it's weird. True. So, uh, Wait, where's, where's, where's the insignia, simp? <laughs> simp? <laughs> what are they called? Dim. You dim. dim. Yeah, you dim. You needy. What are, <laughs> they were funny words, I have to say. Yeah, they were pretty silly. That, that, that is the only that felt pretty kind of silly about this. But, you know, whatever. We have slang. Yeah. I mean, like, is, is dim go, any... Go, go get me an ecto-cooler. I mean, but think about it, like, is is dim and and gimme and ghost any stupider than like cuck, or noob, or noob, or like yeah. it's it, it's no weirder than what we actually came or, up or with. Everybody's saying sus now, man. That's sus. Or I think they, sus. I guess they have been for a while. Which I'm like, just that's just one extra syllable. You're not even like saving yourself that much time. You want to know what what we're saying? I'm old. Get off understand. my virtual lawn, you simp. I don't like new words. <laughs> it's hard. So, uh... <laughs> How many frames per second are you sending me? <laughs> I gotta tune it in. I got a coax cable. All right, so... <laughs> yeah, an old hanger. <laughs> Where's the hanger? I got Is a this UHF extra, or VHF? I got a couple extra megs. I gotta be on Channel 4, Mike. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Get the Nintendo to go. You got the switchy thing. I'm going to blow in the cartridge. (laughs) What are we even talking about? I don't know. Come on, Egon. Okay, so (laughs) they've walked into an area, into the Sanctuary District, which is basically a giant homeless encampment. Anyone without employment or money is just stuffed there and told to survive. So in Act 2... Dax, meanwhile, is chilling in a high-rise office Time working out. on a, Let's, this. Yes. They, they, in the, they talk in the companion about how difficult this shot was, and how if you look dead center, they so they the 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 big setup for this shot. This was in the companion. In the big setup for this shot, they spent like a whole day in their production schedule to make sure there was no uh, logos or insignias or brand names on any of these boxes they were using. And then right. they're looking at the dailies, and you see that white box in the center of the screen. It had a big. You can see it's literally blurred out. They had to go in and blur it out, but it had a big like name of brand on it. And they're like, how did we miss the g- most giant box in the, the whole The brightest scene? thing in yeah. the entire shot. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean... The, but they got that know, crane talk, shot. Here you go. They get the crane shot. And the production values here, with all of those extras, with all of that stuff, they had to build the wall. Like, it looks great. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, this is syndicated television. And, uh, that's and a lot they, of effort. They, they cast... They or they brought in hundreds and hundreds of extras to cast these people, and I have to say, I've, I've mentioned this on other podcasts. I'm not sure if on this show, but I'm I have a weird obsession with extra acting, and I watch them hard. 
And there are a couple of scenes I'll point out when we get there because I have screenshots. But I uniformly, these extras are excellent. They are, number one, so they end up bringing in, into the context of the scene that it's not just homeless people, right, the, with a broad brush. It's m- mentally ill people. It yep. is people who are unemployed. It, you know, it's not just yep. broad strokes homeless. They get They really get specific. And all of these people, the extras in these wide shots and even in the, some of the close-ups, have their own kind of daily routines. They're working in the background, making a lot of really cool specific choices. There are a couple of people I think they're hinting that they suffer from schizophrenia or some other mental illness, and there's some really yep. great choices with our principal cast. I really thought the extra casting and acting was really sublime in this episode. It's not doesn't hit you over the head, but that really helps create the world and the problem of the world yeah. that we're in. Well, I, I think because this episode has so much important to say, mm-hmm. you really don't want anything to to distract or distract from the message of what this is, mm-hmm. which is uh, shockingly relevant yeah. still to this day. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Dax is uh, chilling in the high-rise working on a giant computer terminal. Very interesting to see uh, that what they thought our computers would look like today. They got the and stylus they- right, though. They did. They got some parts right with this touch screen, though she uses a Palm Pilot stylus. She orders a new ID and some money, and uh, she's a good hacker. She's able to make that happen. And she is able to access the terminal with Chris's chip, um, which is probably not a bad way to store passwords and would be a great way to uh, temporarily, automatically be logged into whatever you're doing on any computer. Um course we have phones for that but like i actually think that's not a bad idea like you keep keep it in your wallet you plug it in like a usb drive into any computer it logs you into everything and then when you pull it out it logs you out that'd be kind of cool um probably people would steal it anyway um chris comes in and sits on the desk all sexy like and he asks her about her spots she says they're tattoos he mentions getting a tattoo in high school in the 90s. <clears throat> high school in the 90s. It's all very trippy. And he's trying to play it he's trying to play it as the cool self-aware guy. You know who I am? I'm Elon Bowie. Uh, well, that's it. It turns out he's basically somewhere between Bill Gates and Elon Musk. Uh which is lucky to find uh, that person on the subway cuz I don't think Bill Gates or Elon Musk, Musk takes the subway they very often. They take the often. clean subway, Keith. They take the super clean subway. That's right. Although I will say, and at this point, and still actually at the end of the episode, I don't know. I have a suspicion that maybe he has ulterior motives, or that they might paint him as not sort of a protagonist. But I don't know. I just I've just come to not trust these types of people. So yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. How could you not trust the Elon Musk's of the world? He has the best intentions and is great at what he does. Anyway, uh, so in the sanctuary district. Cisco is being processed through the system, taking photos and fingerprints. The room is packed. An enthusiastic background actor talks to himself in the background. This is clearly a sanctuary for the mentally ill as well. Like I said, the security guy checks their fingerprints on the computer, which runs a corporate ad while they're working. What? A for-profit social services? That sounds crazy. That would never happen. Except it very much does. Um, and of course, they don't come up in the system, and they get a bunch of forms to fill out. So on the Defiant, 
O'Brien figures out what happened. A technobabble threw them back in time. Mike, I think you just missed a whole bunch of pictures. Am I going the wrong way? You are. I think you just skipped a couple of scenes. Oh, man. I wonder. Maybe they didn't grab. Maybe they didn't grab. Okay, well. It just, you know, I... The, 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 After they got their ration card, right? I, I, no, not yet. We're not there yet. Oh, what happened? I don't know. The uh, I, my, I, but don't worry. The pictures I painted with my words. Yeah, please do. To do it. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. So Brian figures out what happened. A techno babble threw them back in time. So they go to the processing room where Cisco very gently coaxes a clearly compromised person from writing on his leg. It's a little moment, but Cisco's compassion is really evident. I could have sworn um, I got a screenshot of that. Well, you didn't. Oh, we no. went straight from uh, spots to the next room. Because um, that but, scene is the scene I'm talking about. I think that guy yeah. really made a bold choice, but it it worked. And I I, I love Cisco's reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Like Cisco's like calm, patient, oh, yeah. compassionate. Mm-hmm reaction to that um i think it says a lot about cisco but i also think that's an avery brooks choice yeah but then it's followed up you know they don't do now the show is strong enough and i think it's writing is strong enough that they probably could have let it just let that scene speak volumes but they they followed up with uh bashir doing a kind of a monologue about these people are clearly have mental illness and then uh, cisco explains the kind of time and place we're in i don't know that we needed all that exposition but it, it was well written so it it definitely does emphasize yeah i mean i, I get why it's there yeah totally. because like it's it is more essential that you get that message mm-hmm. than it be perfectly concise yeah i think for the for the picture of the of the thing so um and i have thoughts about that later anyway let me continue um so uh, Bashir complains about how long it's taking to get processed, and nobody cares. And Cisco thinks for a while and reads the time and the date on the wall. He's figured out something. Based on the time and the date, they're only a few days away from the Bell Riots, mm-hmm. which will happen right here. So in Act 3, we continue that scene, and Cisco explains that the Sanctuary residents are going to take over and that the government is going to send in troops and hundreds are going to be killed. And they have to let it happen. Because the riots will be a watershed moment in the 21st century. And a man named Gabriel Bell will become highly influential because he sacrifices his own life to save the hostages. And it will cause national sympathy and get the sanctuary system torn down so they really can't screw up anything. And talking about pression, if this doesn't bring George Floyd to your mind, you are like <laughs> missing the whole point. Like it's it's fascinating. Um I mean it's it's incredibly prescient. And it's prescient and we as a species keep doing the same shitty things over and over and over again. Um I actually really appreciate that there's a consistency with previously established sci-fi time travel lore you're you're back to the future your total yeah. recall although when was total recall it's a little later but you know there's we the the butterfly effect the ripple effect you we can't yeah as much as we want timeline. to we you can't mess with it and i think it's interesting because we just juxtapose that with a captain pike 
and his crew just dealt with a very similar situation. It was a little different. It was like we can't – it was the first first contact rule. But still, yeah. when do we, when do we have to break some of these rules in order to uh, fix yeah. a problem? And and yes, and, well, and, and it's all predicated on when does intervention make stuff worse? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the control of things you can control and let go of the stuff you can't because you are going to make it worse. Messing with things that aren't your business to mess with. and It always, it, whenever I watch, my big thing when I think about things ethically is is the documentary principle, right? When you're watching Planet Earth or whatnot and you see the lion chasing the baby seal, or the lion chasing the baby seal because that's a yeah. thing that happens. Uh, <laughs> the baby, the you know, whatever. Coming the, to Pixar next year. The baby. And you're like, oh, why didn't they Why didn't they save the, the, the little thing? I was like, well, that's, we're not supposed to do that. Right. Yeah. But how could you, as a human, like, how does your compassion allow that? It's tough. These are tough. Well, lines. and it, in a situation like this too, because like he knows that bad stuff's going to happen, and but it is essential to the future of our species. And as we're going to find out later, if this gets screwed up, there are some pretty giant consequences. Uh, so they get called into the manager's office, who asks them some questions. She can tell they're not dims from the way they filled out their forms. They're gimmies, i.e. people without mental illness. She seems like the typical well-intentioned but overworked social worker working in a terrible and underfunded system, which mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of people will resonate with today. Um, and because they don't have a job or someone to vouch for them, they're forced to stay in the sanctuary. Of course, the system is profoundly broken, and she gives them ration cards and says, uh, good luck. And they're so 90s because they are laminated. I'm never They're forget, laminated. In mid-90s, my mom got a laminator, and damned, Keith, everything is laminated. Everything. My uh, social security card, laminated. My birth oh, certificate, should... birth certificate, Laminated. My high oh, school I really diploma. Do that. Laminated. Everything <laughs> is laminated. <laughs> because but that's my mom's like that's smart. <sniffs> yeah. Well, hey, why do you think my Phil Sims posters are in such good shape today? Laminated. Yeah, but then the because glare, man. You got so much. You can't even look at them. You're like, oh. no, no, no. It does. It it doesn't have any more glare than the uh, the record because it's a light lamination. My mother was a was a school librarian, and mm. so oh yeah, she had I, that access to that lamination. She had the access to like the big industrial one. Awesome. Anyway, uh, she warns them to stay away from district security because they're also overworked and underpaid and stressed out and. Ghosts, i.e. the criminal faction within the Sanctuary District. Whew. So we uh, head back to the bland, rich white guyville, and Elon has set up a hotel room for Dax and invites her to his fancy party. But you have to dress up like a pic- uh, character from Gatsby. You, it's it's like Gatsby by way of Hunger Games, hundred mm-hmm. percent. So Cisco and I mean Bashir, that looks like young David Bowie, absolute hundred percent. Does it? What is going on, slideshow? Whatever. Mike, what's happening over there? The wheels, Keith. The wheels. So Cisco and Bashir walk from building to building, looking for a place to sleep and keep getting turned away. Bashir is naturally appalled at the lack of care given to the people with mental illness or addiction. Cisco knows they've just given up. So Cisco and Bashir walk from building to building, looking for a place to sleep and keep getting turned away. 
Bashir is naturally appalled at the lack of care given to the people with mental illness or addiction. Cisco knows that this society has just given up. Hmm. Nothing familiar there. So Bashir points out that humans are no different than Cardassians or Romulans when their safety is threatened. It's a long walk and talk through the Paramount backlot, and they're really discussing one of the main premises of the entire series of Deep Space Nine. They come across a handful of ghosts mugging another resident for his food card, and Cisco reminds Bashir that they cannot interfere. And uh, the ghosts are led by Douchey Hat Guy, who taunts them, and he reminds me very much of my school bullies. They move on, but we know we're not done with that guy. Keith, you know what he reminds me of? The literal Ooh. costume I wore in that VHS that should be canceled uh, because the costume was called Happy Hobo. And it was basically <laughs> me dressed as a smiling clown in that exact garb. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the hits keep on yeah. coming. Yeah, they sure do. So uh, yeah. I, can't, I can't I can't remember if this was something we discussed before we snipped and snapped around the episode because of work. But uh, I'll just quickly say I think it's great that we got the scene and that the sci-fi across like Back to the Future and Total Recall. Yes, you did mention this. that. Yeah. Did I mention it before this? Yes. Oh, okay, great. Then you all know you what did. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we, we yeah, don't, yeah. Don't don't mess with anybody. Is what what are you saying? You know you know what happened. We don't want to disappear is... from the Polaroid at the end of the day. No, you don't. And in fact, like be because we've had to cut, we're kind of messing with our own timeline. That's true. That's we right. don't know. We branched like, off. We're <laughs> the show would have the show would have been so good, but now that we've branched off into this shitty timeline. Oh my god, we're in the we're in the worst timeline. <laughs> it's not good. So. I don't know. Did you, did you read some of those Giuliani tapes? This could be the best timeline if we get to see those. Or here, oh. maybe I don't want to see them. I mean, I've seen a lot of tapes of Giuliani, and <laughs> none of them made my life better. Okay, move, go, keep going. So in Act 4, on the Defiant, they figured out how to transport themselves back in time for a rescue. And O'Brien's only narrowed their possible locations to 12 different time periods. But they only have Technobabble for five attempts. Mm. And Kira's like, make your best guess. And three Let's of those have a lot of hootie, so... So much hootie. Uh, and she's like very quick to like, all right, we'll, we'll have a mission. We're in a 35% chance. Great. Sounds great. Guess who sells that though? Renee. Odo's face there. He does a double take. That is. Yeah. He's, he's good at what he does. He has no lines, but he's great at this. So uh, Cisco and Bashir spent the night on the street and Ben has acquired some breakfast. White bread and scrambled eggs, which is fancier than what I usually eat for breakfast. Let's not now. Let's take the second bold choice by that extra to the right there. He's like walked over to the prop table. He's like, you see that Fisher Price toy? Me wanty. I'm gonna make a whole scene about it, and he does. And we would have done exactly the same mm -hmm. thing. So uh, they make a plan to get onto the roof and look around. We see children jumping rope to reinforce how bleak this environment is. They make a deal with some guys blocking access to the building by trading their uniform for regular clothes. Not sure how that's an upgrade for the residents, but it allows our heroes to blend in better. So they walk through the building to discover Bill Smetrovich from the practice! Woohoo! Oh, so welcome. To see, Keith, do you what? remember 
the out of practice podcast theme song? Uh, vaguely. Because I cannot think of it right now. <laughs> Hold on. Let me see if I... Uh, 187 episodes. We owe it to the people. Hold on. <laughs> this is such a mess. We owe it to the people. Come on. Well, oh, no. I, hold on. What we need I'm is sure the we need it. the the. You don't. You're not supposed to know this, but you've been on the show before. All but right, now hold you're on. in Star Trek and you're banging down my door. I I have it in here somewhere. Hold on. I can just pull it up on the YouTube, dude. But not not that one. No, I can pull up the main theme. Oh, the main theme. Yes, yes. Okay, here we go. Smart people. Uh, <laughs> so good. And so good. We are back. Oh, wait. I only owed the... Why, don't, why, why isn't the oopsies rolled? Hold on. We're getting... Guys, trust me on this. All right. <laughs> There's so many. Oh my god. There we go. No, that's not it. These are there's so much. What what is happening over there? Keith, I'm telling you. It's just the musicals. Like... When you mess with the Hold on. I I'll, I'll, I'll just play it on my end. Okay. Stop yours. No, here we go. Who's doing Back it? In high school, okay. each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. That's I'd an turn old. the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. That's an old one. Doesn't matter. Yeah, all right, there it is. To practice with your host. Oh wait, that's we did that live. This is totally worth it. Uh, you're welcome, especially it's coming from me. It's in mono. Yeah, none of that was worth Okay, hold on. So Schmitty's here. That's the whole point. He played a district oh attorney God. who was like a good guy, then a bad guy, then a good guy again. And then he like was a real bad guy. And then he they brought him back and were like, no, he's like a good guy again. What a shit show. All right. Uh, Keeps so, working uh, on the side. I'm working on this. This is, this is sad. It Such was a good episode. It was this episode great. deserves better than us idiots talking about it. So they, uh, yeah, so they they run across Bill Smitchovitz from the practice, who is tending to his teenage son, who has just been beaten by some ghosts. Bashir naturally offers assistance after a warning from Cisco to, uh, if he's dying, let him die. But Yo, you can at least tell doesn't just have on. like a little knife. He has a freaking like hunter's knife yeah it's 2024 it's amazing it doesn't have an ar-15 so in this scene i'm reminded how much alexander siddig's performance has improved throughout the series a lot of compassion it's it's much more restrained now than it was earlier and i like the character a lot more i'm also in, in actual trek talk I'm actually glad to see this scene because I'm glad to hear that future doctors are still being taught general triage and it's not just wave yeah. your boopy boop over them and make them better. Yeah, well, be, and I, I think it makes sense because there's any number of times where we lose the uh, lose the ability to get to your beeps and boops and you've you got big old problems there. Mm-hmm. So uh, after all this work, we never really see the roof, but at least we've made a friend in Smitrovich. He warns them 
that they're not going to get out anytime soon. And the only way you'll survive is to work together. And he wants to get people organized and expose the outside world to what's happening in the sanctuary district. And they're forced to tell him no to avoid messing with the timeline, even though he's the good guy. Meanwhile, Dax and Elon are at a very fancy party hobnobbing with the 1%, who are complaining about those pesky poors stirring up trouble. Elon wears eyeliner, which is a cool future guess about makeup gender roles not being as defined in 2024, which is also 100% accurate as well. Or it's David Bowie. There it is. So uh, one of them mentions the Sanctuary District, and F Dax figures out that Bashir and Sisko probably ended up in one of them. So Elon offers to help out if they're and find out if they're in there. Uh, quite the outfit for, uh, for Dax there. Mm -hmm. I like it. It's a good hairstyle. So that night, Bashir and Sisko wait in an endless line for rations when douchebag hat guy tries to mug Bashir and Sisko intervenes. Cue the first fight sequence. They all fight hand hand before another man intervenes and is stabbed by douchebag hat guy, whose hat never falls off mm -mm. in all of this combat. He must have stapled that on. Cisco and Bashir frantically try to save the man, knowing that he wouldn't have been stabbed if they weren't there. But they're chased away by security. So they run and hide from pursuit. The smoke and fire and helicopter lights are very effective. Uh, cool stuff. Really, really like visually how mm -hmm. that sequence went down. Then could have been hokey as hell, but it was not. Could have been. It was. It could have been like Star Trek palm punch, but it was actually a pretty good sequence. So they escape the guards, and Cisco announces that the man who tried, who was killed trying to save them, was none other than Gabriel Bell himself smart for cisco to steal his food card while as opposed to trying to save his life he stole his food card uh but it makes sense because he's got to figure out like we've just caused a problem here how much of a problem right. let me tell you how much a big one uh oh so uh they've really messed up history now and cisco knows that they have to protect that they now have to protect the hostages no matter what. Kira and O'Brien are ready to make some time travel attempts in wacky outfits. But O'Brien announces, you know, we've been shut down by Starfleet because they can't risk messing up the timeline. So Starfleet has a policy on messing with the timeline. When so they glad somebody does. I mean, at least. When they try to complain, they've lost contact with Starfleet. Because there is no more Starfleet. It's all gone. See, that's that's where the stakes jump. Because it's not like Back to the Future, which I've referenced a few times, where the picture is fading. No, this one's gone. There's no Polaroid. It disappeared. And, and it's it's not just, you know, some teenager in, mm -hmm. in the suburbs. It's all of Starfleet. So Technobabble, uh, Technobabble, the Defiant exists in a time bubble. Yes, because of the Technobabble particles that caused this in the first place. The Defiant is immune from it, even though Sisko and Bashir blew up the timeline. So on the surface, Sisko and Bashir go to Simitrovich and says, okay, now we're in with your plan. And he says, day after tomorrow, we're gonna do a rally 
We just need to get the attention of the outside world and show that we're not criminals. Elon, meanwhile, has discovered that Bashir and Cisco are in the sanctuary and says, eh, they'll be fine. So Cisco and Bashir go through the district convincing people to join the rally when, uh-oh, too late, the shit has already hit the fan and a guard has been killed and the riot is on. Uh, big fire, looks cool, mm-hmm. super exciting. Cisco wrestles a gun away from a rioter and they pull the guard into safety, into the processing center where douchebag hat guy is already there taking a bunch of hostages. When Cisco arrives, Hat Guy says, I got a plan. And, uh, and who, who are you anyway? And Cisco announces that my name is Bell. Gabriel Bell, motherfuckers. He didn't actually say that last part. Okay, I guess this one's explicit. <laughs> we, I always mark it explicit, okay, just in case. Uh which sends us into... I think that might be uh, officially our first MF bomb. <laughs> that's not true. I think it is. Well, what, what's the, no, well, it's whatever. totally worth it. This is this is Cisco McRambo. I mean, look at that face. Yeah. Ah, uh, so cool. And that is the end of part one. Stakes are giant. The obstacles are clear. What the heck is gonna happen? I love it. I love it. Love it. For sure. Okay, Mike, you know what it's time for. (laughs) And now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek Vocabulary Quiz. Oh, my God. Okay, Mike, what is the Heisenberg Compensator? Keith, that's a little bit of, that's a doohickey that is attached to Romulan technology cloaking devices that unfortunately does not come with a warning sticker that could tell you it could F up your transporter beam. And the entire timeline in history. I think the Heisenberg Compensator is actually part of the Federation transporter. Oh, okay. Uh, the only but thing whatever I know for sure it is, is it sells meth. If you don't compensate, you got problems. Mm-hmm. You, you might end up in the uh, you know, today. Alright, so next, next up is what is temporal polarization? Oh, that's a thing. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Techno babble. I'm usually like this. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's just move along home. <laughs> okay. Attention, Bajoran workers. Were there any wormholes in the plot? Why is wormholes not ahead of everything? What's what's happening, Mike? What's happening? Yeah, I just I don't know anymore, man. You, don't you know, know. You, you gotta fly out. Oh, there it is. I shouldn't have been there in the first place. I just okay. we have been a shit show from the opening moments of this show yeah. all the way to the end. Well, yeah, you know what? Uh, patreoncom knm So. <laughs> the wormholes this is actually one of the episodes where aside from I mean we could probably get in there with a scalpel and a microscope and really dissect the time travel stuff but I feel like in the spirit of time travel MacGuffins we have to just roll with it right like there's the science guy said it was okay so I'm cool <laughs> with it outside of that 
I feel like it's very... This is an episode where they were very clear. They had such a strong premise that they felt very strong about each plot beat. And I felt like they they covered almost every wormhole it would have. So I think... Yeah, I don't. I don't really have anything. I didn't clock anything. I feel pretty pretty solid about it. Maybe do you have anything that you you sniffed out? No, I mean honestly, in like the the only wormhole that really was a problem was how clean the subway was, <laughs> and the fact that Eli Musk was running it <coughs> was was going on the subway. But in, in all seriousness, no. I mean, yes, the the sci-fi techno babble, time travel, blah blah blah. But who cares, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's not they're not, they're not even trying to make us understand that mm-hmm. or have it make sense. I think honestly, it holds up really well. It's smart. The logic of it holds. Mm-hmm. I have no wormhole problems with this episode. Yeah, I mean, I guess the you know you you'd have to investigate the geopolitical strife on earth at that time but i feel like we've talked enough about it on trek that this kind of slots into exactly where we thought i mean and none of those are wormholes actually i was going to say like it's a little there's some conveniences plot conveniences but that's that's not wormholes that's tv that's 45 minute television network television so i'm I'm good right here yeah yeah i think it's you know the the timeline of the 20th and 21st century in star trek in terms of like when was the first civil war, the second civil war, World War Three, whatever? Just by necessity, because so much time has passed since they wrote those stories, that keeps getting shuffled around. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when you're writing it in 1995, ah, oh, 2023, that's forever ago. It doesn't you know? It doesn't matter. But you know, so now that we're here, we can sort of see what they got right, what they got wrong. But honestly, like, no, no problems with it. So let's talk about our best moment. So much of this was great. Um, And actually, I think my best moment is there's two walk and talk scenes. We mentioned them in the in the screenshots where Ben and Bashir have a really specific conversation about where the disarray, the the disarray in the way we're treating people and our strategy of, of dealing with it and it's the scene where they're in the waiting room and they're discussing a bit of mental, the, the, these people are mentally ill and they're not being treated well. And, and Ben's like, yeah, I know that's why there's a giant riot. that's going to happen in 20 minutes. Yeah. And then there's the walk and talk on the back lot where they're <clears throat> kind of just once again, assessing the kind well, of, and, and, and their acknowledgement that what's happened here is mm-hmm. that they've given up. Yeah. The society has given up. And those scenes are great because they are well acted. They are, prescient obviously but they don't feel like exposition dumps they feel like a general conversation that two intelligent men in their predicament would be would be talking about and what's really cool about it uh from alexander siddick's point of view or i'm sorry bashir's point of view is you know often keith this is a bizarre this is a very bizarre analogy but take a walk around the block with me if you will uh we've gone many places today so often World War I, for me, it's very, it's so f- long ago, and a lot of the footage and the pictures you've seen in, in textbooks and whatnot, it just seems so, I can never grok it as much as I can in Vietnam or World War II, where there's much more visceral footage. 
But Peter Jackson some years ago released this. They, oh, what was it called? They they shall not be forgotten. It is a documentary of World War One, and they spent gajillions of dollars a upscaling all of the footage, sixty frames, colorizing oh, it. Oh, interesting. And uh, making it four K, and it is Keith as if they time traveled you to the battlefield mm. and how. This trench warfare, and it's so visceral and disgusting and disturbing that it it affected me the most for the first time. And what, but exactly that is is Bashir, who has studied all of this and is aware of all of the geopolitical stuff that happened on Earth years ago. Right. But to be time traveled there and to experience it firsthand, and as to they say, see it and hear it and smell it and touch and, it. And yeah. they say in the, and they say in the in the um. The companion, and I didn't really clock until I read this, is that, and what different experiences would a very beautiful white woman... Uh, well, that was going to be my first comment experience, in the episode right then two brown men, which is what they refer to them as in... Uh, two it, men of color, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, this is actually what Siddick said. He said, well, how would two, two brown men be treated? And yeah. I, I thought that that is very well... D- displayed in those scenes. So, those, sorry, yeah. long way around the block to say those are my favorite scenes. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I, and 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 for me, it was that moment that I talked about uh, with Cisco and and the the man with mental illness, um, writing on his hand there, or the drawing thing. Yeah, drawing on his hand. Uh, oh balls. Um, and uh, yeah, so just the the compassion that he has. For this, for this man, and the understanding, and the sort of, and his being able to to interact with this person who is clearly, you know, not in the same mental space, but his like intuitive ability to like l- let me find a way to address this situation that is compassionate, but also is able to communicate with this other person who is in an altered state in some fashion. And I thought that was really um, emotionally intuitive and mature of Cisco. I really liked that. So uh, I think maybe it's time for some stem bolts. What do you say? You get some stem bolts. Hell yeah, they are self-sealing. Here are some stem bolts for you. Okay, Mike. Oh, Give us no. Some oh. oh, we're doing it again. We're doing it again. <laughs> We are a mess. Yeah, true, very true. Uh, this is great. It's just great. I love time travel. Anything, right? Quantum Leap, one of my top shows of all time. This, and this is basically Quantum this Leap. Is absolutely, Quantum Leap without without the sort of pithy sidekick. But it's a really and, and you know what's cool about this episode is that it is a distillation of really what sci-fi and Star Trek is about, right? Yeah. Let's look at us now from the future, and that gives it enough space and distance to be able to say some things and show some things that otherwise could be written off as, oh, you're trying to make a statement. Well, uh, it's not always the case, because, you know, as this, and, and reading and hearing in Trivial Trivia, that this is exactly when... San Francisco was doing these things or yeah. proposing these things. And look, then, now, 
the homeless population, the way we deal with mental illness, the way we segregate we seg we segregate people because of what used to, because of basically oh. the, the caste system, right? Like the rich yeah. get richer, the middle class becomes yeah. less and less important or vital or, or considered in the kind of yeah. schematic. It's all there. And so this episode was dealing with it. it it's just so one-to-one that it's it's hard not to be like, oh, they really, some, they knocked it out of the park. Uh, I thought from a production standpoint, it's beautiful. It's all well shot. It's well acted. It's really It's really hard to because they're cutting back and forth between a really honed experience on on the set of Deep Space Nine where they have the lighting down, they've got everything figured out, and then they go to a back lot, which is not necessarily an easy thing to do. Everything changes. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's nice that the director had just had experience in this location, so that helped make things run smoothly. They had a really solid script, a really a good exit strategy by making the guy who screwed up the timeline be the guy who Ben kind of assumes his role I hope that we get a good time with him next week he quantum be, leaps in being <laughs> badass Ben uh, it, the out, the outro seems a little convenient not convenient seems a little easy to predict but let's see let's see if they can surprise me I can't find a lot of ways to fault this episode I, I maybe would like to have seen Dax have a little more agency and be doing something, but we have next episode, so I'm, yeah, I'm look. It's hard. although I think she has subtle agency where she's she's leading this guy around by his nose, and he doesn't even know it. She's, I think she's just playing her agency more yeah, I, more subtly. I hope so. Uh, I, some of the shots lingering made me think that she was kind of, although she's not, doesn't seem like she's gone gaga for him. So it's it is no. there's an ambiguity as to whether she's playing him or if she's kind of caught overwhelmed although I think it is more the few, the former. Anyway, this is all a long-winded way to say that I was I, I felt in affected watching this. Yeah. And more so than a lot of the twofers, twofers, I'm engaged. I want to know where we go story-wise and I want and I'm in for the action also. It's got a great there's some suspense, there's some great action, great guest stars. There's nothing not to like so far. So this it's one of my faves, Keith. I'm going 95 solid stem bolts. Ooh, 95. It's almost perfect. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything that you've said. Um, you know, this is a, this is another episode that my appreciation of it has grown. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think when I was a teenager, especially, you know, honestly, a teenager growing up in Vermont. Right, in you know, like middle class Vermont, where homelessness was not, you know, it's 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 not it was not as much of a problem that I saw. I didn't see people in this type of distress regularly when I was fifteen. Right, whereas twenty years in New York City, yeah, you know what? I see, you know, this this show is a reality that I'm I see. Every time I go into Midtown, every time I'm in the city, every like it's it's very real in my understanding of mental illness, my understanding of addiction, my understanding of the broken system that we live in has added a weight to this that was much bigger than sort of the sci-fi, you know, action-y part of it that I was kind of only responding to at that point. 
Um, it's it's funny how often I've said that in this series, particularly this season, that um, this series speaks to adults and adult experiences and real stuff. And I don't mean like that's porny. I mean it's it deals with some real stuff, mm-hmm. and um, and so it's it resonated much more profoundly with me this viewing than at any other times also because we're now in that time period right you know it also seems like this weird distant thing that you know it isn't relevant to our lives well no it's literally happening right now and now is the time that the episode is taking place um and so yes i mean what what you mentioned with alex pointing out that the two men of color uh immediately thrown into the system and uh immediately incarcerated and uh and, and and just all of their rights and it's just like they're they're screwed they're toast and the hot white lady gets a hotel and a fancy party um immediately and and you know that's another thing that i probably didn't clock as much back in 95 and now i'm like yep that mm-hmm. makes complete and total sense um you know and they didn't they didn't make a thing of it but it was very man that's right there under the surface and um you know, and it's it's it has weight to it because these camps exist in Los Angeles and in San Francisco, and it, like right friggin' now, these things are literally exist, um, and this system that is that broken literally exists right now. Um, and it, the other thought that I had is that there are areas a- around the planet right now that are much much worse. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean the the these you know parts of india the the levels of poverty and the and the stratification societally and economically the you know the caste system is not a metaphor there is a caste system and and the brutality that we have uh in the way that we treat disadvantaged people is what this whole episode is about and what's I, depressing, I always think it's important to yeah. No matter whenever, especially when you get into the weeds, a political conversation in the weeds about why things should things yada yada yada. Always good to remember there are many places on our planet right now where just like general folk, um, even the rich of the general folk, uh, don't have access to water, can't get water yeah. to drink. So eh, that's just remember that. Yeah. <laughs> that's like well, and it's I mean it's it's just like our. Um... Yeah, I mean, you know, this this episode was a warning that we did not heed, and thus has come true. And I think that that is uh, it's it's really profound, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were smart in the in the production design to not get too futury in the yeah. in thinking about what was twenty twelve four because that could have that would have I think it would have cut it off at the knees as far as legs go, as far as holding up, you know. Yeah, in, well, in it, the it it would have been Back to the Future too. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, something that the felt silliest real. thing we get here is the is the Gatsby Hunger Games party, which is, you know, it's the like, fancy part. But our, we we throw fancy parties that are ridiculous too. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I was I was at one on Sunday. Yeah, right. every bit is ridiculous, yeah. right? It's like not. Um, no, I didn't find that. I didn't find that silly at all. Um, yeah, so. I, I think the sci-fi holds up. I think it's exciting. I think it's interesting. Um, you know, it's also, it's a, it's a really interesting swing for them to tell a fictional story and not go back and like save Lincoln or something Mm. and that make it stand on its own and make it not be flashy. It's not flashy at all. It's depressing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And that's, 
and that's a that's a big swing for for them. Um, when, so, did, when did Terminator One come out? Because it is it is sort of the plot of Terminator One. Well, yeah, taken to an extreme level, yeah. That guy's John the, Connor, right? Well, no. Except John we save we about, save John Connor and we don't like inhabit him. It's not killing the robots. We don't role play him. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, but anyway, I think it's a, I think it's an excellent episode. I'm really excited to get into next week and see how it all pans out. Uh, I am going to give it a really good 93 self sealing stem bolts, um, which is interesting because before I rewatched it, I'll be like, ah, it's probably in the 80s. Okay. It's much better than that. I don't, and I don't think I remembered it as strongly as uh, strong as it is. So, folks, if you would like to give this a rating, wait. Uh oh. We can't happening? pitch it to them yet, Keith. There's somebody more Why important. There's somebody oh. more important than you and I. Oh well, obviously. And uh, my guess is that I haven't not listened to this yet. So, just, okay. Just, you know, here we go. What? What say you, Chancellor Jim? Oh, I'm you think, excited. You think it's gonna be really loud? Did you, you cover your ears? Probably. Yeah, let's see. Hey, guys. Chancellor Jen here. Part one was so awesome. I felt like I was watching a movie. I seriously was on the edge of my seat. I can't wait for next week. Cisco was badass, man. I thought he, he was awesome. So quick on his feet. Yeah, I'm this guy now, you know? And everyone was so great back at headquarters. I love that it's our people having to try to put this all together and get everything back on track. I love a time travel uh, alternate universe situation. I was so into it. And I think this is my highest rating yet. 98. <laughs> love you guys. I cannot wait for next week. Okay, bye. Yes! Okay. Coming in hot. I love it. Does Jen's rating go up to like 140? <laughs> I'm assuming. No, it better because she just keeps ascending. I love it. I love it. Uh, all right, so now I will pitch to you, the audience. Give us your ratings in self-sealing stem bolts. Definitely want to know what you think of Past Tense Part 1. Uh, it should not be a big surprise. Next week, Past Tense Part 2. Woo. We're going to discuss it. Can't wait. Uh, if you haven't already, please give this video a like and us a subscribe. If you want us to read your comments, you can leave us a super thanks below. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. If you would also like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash K&M. Get all sorts of nonsense. We always talk about it. Our social medias are below. Check out our other shows. Look at my Star Trek toys. K&M Geekly and Strange New Show. Keith and Mike, watch Strange New Worlds. Any final thoughts, Mike? No. I'm looking forward to next week as well. I'm looking forward to jumping back into Strange New Worlds as well. So much cool stuff. Uh, I'm liking the show more than some of our people have liked the show, Keith. I'm surprised to find myself higher on it than many of our audience, which, guess what? That's great. I'm happy to... People have feelings about New Trek. People, people have real have feelings. strong feelings. That's true. But uh, we appreciate all of you. I appreciate all of you for getting me through a tough day. Uh, uh, much love. Indeed. Folks, till then, this has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM.